You're listening to Kidney Conversations, a podcast from the Kidney Foundation of Western New York. We talk about kidney health and share stories to inspire and educate our community. I'm Jeremy Morlock from the Kidney Foundation of Western New York. Our guest today is living kidney donor, Michelle Murray. Michelle, thanks so much for meeting me on Zoom today. Can you tell me how did you make the decision to donate? I want to say maybe eight, nine years ago, I was on Twitter and an article came out about people literally waiting on the list, mm-hmm. waiting for a donor. And I was like, that's crazy that everything I had read that, you know, people live just fine on one kidney. So I really didn't understand why so many people, you know, I was kind of like naive to the process. And I found a organization, I think in like Erie, Niagara County with people locally that were looking for organs, specifically kidneys. And I'm like, oh, I should really do that because the stories were super touching and gripping. Yeah. And I'm like, I should really get tested. Maybe I could be a donor. And then life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And probably about five years after that, the same thing. I would stumble on something that the universe kind of like puts in your path. And I'm like, oh, I remember I was super interested in donating. And I was in my 30s. Life ebbs and flows. And then it would happen how I, the story would unravel a couple of years later, how I would donate, which was a Facebook, a Facebook post of a post of a post of a post. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it's the wheel started turning for me. And I said, oh, is she still looking for a kidney? Because I wasn't sure how old the post was. Oh, yeah. And she said, yeah, she still needs a kidney. And I was like, well, I'm O positive and, you know, I'll reach out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that would be great, blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of the end of it. What happened next? So I actually reached out to ECMC. So I emailed them and they said, we'll set up an appointment to call you. Most people don't make it through the phone interview. If you do, you'll get a packet in the mail three weeks later, two to three weeks later. And that was kind of it. So I was like, all I did was message to the person that shared the post, like, hey, I contacted ECMC. I'm not sure where it'll go from there. Right. And then three weeks later, I get this huge packet in the mail. And I was like, oh boy, things just got real. (laughs) Did you kind of feel like you needed to take a deep breath at that point? What was that feeling like? It was kind of like passing a test. Like you're super excited. Oh, good. Like, oh my gosh, I just, I did pass. (laughs) So I was super excited to like, okay, like what's the next step? You know, they send you this packet and you have to get your blood pressure taken, you know, three times and you've got to do a sample urine, you know, all these things. And the packet was intimidating all the health questions and having to reach out to people because there were answers that I didn't have about family history. And then they schedule the first appointment. And that's where it got super real. That's when you sit down and meet with like 20 people and they go over all your answers. And then they tell you, you know, it's Pandora's box. Once we run all these tests, you could find, we could find potential things with you that you didn't know health-wise. So that's when it got really real. Did you have to do special things to prepare for the donation then? How did it go running through all those tests? It's a little nerve wracking. So like first, you know, they're drawing lots of blood and I'm not a needle person. Mm-hmm. So I don't like going to the doctor for myself. In fact, I was doing it for someone I didn't know. I was like, am I crazy? I think that the best way to prepare is you kind of are still running on this adrenaline a bit. And it was like, okay, a bunch of, like they pulled out all these files. And I'm like, that's not just for me, is it? She's like, yeah. 
Oh and I was like, oh God, okay. Um, and then you do all these urine samples and um, you wait basically to find out if you have enough antibodies to match. Mm-hmm. And I remember waiting for that first phone call. How did you feel once you found out that, that you were a match and it could go forward? I was super excited. Oh, God. I didn't tell a lot of people because the people that I did tell thought I was crazy. <laughs> but I was super excited. It's like you put in all this work and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, like things are paying off. When did the surgery end up taking place? So it took place February 11th, 2019. Um, it was rescheduled um, because I ran two marathons back to back in two weeks. And I wasn't feeling my best. So um, she said my recipient wouldn't have been ready anyway. So then we scheduled out for February. Oh, okay. So, so you're somebody who stays very active then if, if you were running two marathons back to back. Yeah, they were two weeks apart. Yeah, I was like, oh, I started running, I think when I turned 31, you know, like life turns. It's like, oh, let me do something different. So I'd like to stay active. So the fact that they told me um, while I was testing a little bit um, due to proteins in your urine that I had to like tamper down my running a little bit. Oh, okay. So that was kind of like, uh, then you start thinking like, am I still going to be active post donation, mm-hmm. all that other stuff. How did things go with the transplant and the recovery process? I mean, it was easy. I didn't do any pain medicine post donation. Um, and I referee high school sports. So I refereed a basketball game 10 days later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it went pretty smooth. I can't complain. Did you end up meeting your recipient during that time or, or afterwards? I received a letter from my recipient and she wanted to thank me. And I asked her if she was interested in meeting. So we actually met the day after surgery. Oh, wow. I, how did that feel? It, what, you're so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like that first date you ever go on as like a teenager and you're like, your stomach drops out because you don't know what to expect. You don't know the person. So it was super nerve wracking. Have you kept in touch with her since then? Yeah, we talk. I think we've talked every day. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we went on a trip like um, a month later um, and we've talked pretty. Yeah, we've talked every day since donation. Oh, that's wild. (laughs) Yeah. How did the rest of your recovery go? The rest of my recovery was really good. I think the only thing I didn't expect was when they blow you up. I didn't realize how long because I looked at my stomach and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I've heard from a couple of people about that. It throws you off a, a little bit. When she told me they blow you up, I'm thinking like, well, how big can they like blow you up? Really big. <laughs> so that was the only thing that I didn't expect, like clothes that were like sweatpants that were big, you're like, oh, (laughs) these feel not so big right now. So that was probably the only thing. Um, But it was like, it was a really easy recovery. Good. And were you able to go back to to running and some of the other activities that you had done before? Yeah. So I had a race scheduled for March, but they asked me not to run a half marathon that soon. It was like three weeks after. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got back to running earlier than they wanted me to. But I just started slow. Um, so I was probably back to running. I would say, I mean, I ran the basketball court 10 days after. So I was back to running probably. I started to run a month after. And that's still a uh, part of your life? Yes. I mean, in a pandemic, 
where all my races are canceled. Yeah, it's still a big part of my life. And how has your life changed since that donation? I've probably become the biggest advocate and or pain to other people because I'm like, hi, I'm Michelle. You look pretty healthy. You should donate your kidney. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) I like scope people out to the point where I'm like, oh, you look healthy. Oh, what blood type are you? Have you ever thought like that's kind of like now I've become an advocate and Mm -hmm. I never had kidney issues. I become a huge advocate for people that do. It's something that I found that when people learn more about kidney disease and the prevalence of it and the need for donors, people do become very passionate. Yes, it's totally like it's it's life changing. So I had an amazing kidney coordinator um, and she said it's going to change your life as much as it'll change the recipients. And it does. It changes your outlook. And it just it made me such an advocate because it can increase, you know, the quality of life mm-hmm. for so many people and the people shouldn't have to be on the list and on dialysis. There's just so many people that are eligible to donate it. And it makes me like want to get everybody to do it. I'm like, you should share your spare. You should, I'm sure they're all tired of hearing you say share your spare. <laughs> but I, I think it can be so helpful too, to see somebody who has been a donor and has recovered and is active and feeling well and is pro-donation. I I think, you know, you're kind of living proof that this is something you can do and and lead an active full life after. Yeah, it's true. Like everything that the the doctors tell you is a hundred percent true. Your life, I don't, I don't feel any different. People ask really weird things. Like, do you walk lopsided or do you have this space inside? And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, I, people are like, do you pee differently? No, it's the same. I don't think of myself as having one kidney. Mm-hmm. It, you feel completely how you felt pre-donation. There's no difference. And, and the recipient feels so much better. <laughs> yes. She felt better like immediately, which was super amazing. Like she got out of the hospital two days early and the color in her face and how she felt and energy levels. So it's funny because they say that, you know, the uh, donor goes in healthy and leaves kind of feeling, you know, because you had surgery. Mm-hmm. And then the recipient goes in unhealthy and immediately they start feeling amazing. It's wild to hear so many stories, too, of, of you know, family members will go in and, and they'll just say, like, you have so much more color in your face. You have so much more energy. And it's just a remarkable thing. It's like instant gratification because you can see that person feeling better, like right away. It makes all the testing that you went through. Cause really I think about like the testing, like, Oh, that's kind of annoying. I have to go do this. But if you think about how annoying it is for somebody to go to dialysis or do at home dialysis, it's really just, it's so small, what you have to do. Your transplant surgery was at ECMC. Were you happy with the experience? Yeah, like my, I had the most amazing uh, coordinator. So there's a coordinator for you as well as the recipient. So you have two separate coordinators, um, but they absolutely, they're like, you're donating to a stranger. We consider like, I don't think it's a big deal, honestly, but the way that they treat you mm-hmm. um, and kind of the setup, how they make sure that nobody else they keep you completely separate. You're in different operating rooms, all of that. The staff was everybody from the people that like changed your bed linens to the people that drew your blood to the surgeon that did it. Like everybody was absolutely amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. 
Now, were you able to get a uh, vacation time or, or was that a concern for you at all? No. So I'm fortunate um, that I work as like an independent contractor. So I could just set my schedule um, and I kind of did it in between seasons. So I did like the tail end of a season before my next one starts. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really fortunate. Um, But again, for me, if I had to go back to work, I mean, I was, I started refereeing 10 days later. So I didn't need like a huge gap. And what would you say to somebody who's considering becoming a living kidney donor? It will be the most amazing experience of your life to know that you can change someone else's health, like no strings attached. It is the most giving and rewarding thing you'll ever do. Is there anything else that you'd like people to know or that you'd like to share? Yeah, I'm going to go into my pro advocate, right? Everyone, if you are healthy or potentially healthy, like people say, oh, well, what if my child needs a kidney further down the road? And I ask them like, well, does kidney disease like run in your family? Does there a history? No, but like, don't. You can't like, I, if I get in a car, there's always a potential I could be in a car accident. Like, don't say that because you think potentially, perhaps 20 or 30 years down the road that someone else is going to need it. Like somebody needs it right now. Mm-hmm. And chances are, if those things don't run in your family anywhere on either side, then you're just literally like wasting. So like, just contemplate what you can do in the here and now, because we all know that tomorrow's not promised. So it's like, just think about it. If I can just make one person think about being a living donor, it's totally worth it. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate you talking with me today. Oh, thank you. I like, thank you for reaching out. It gives me like one more platform to like, hey, share your spare. The Kidney Foundation of Western New York is dedicated to increasing awareness and improving the lives of those with kidney disease. You can find out more by visiting our website at www.kfwny.org. We're on facebook.com slash kfwny and on Twitter and Instagram at kidneyfoundwny. We're looking for stories of healing, transplantation, donation, and more here in Western New York. If you have a kidney story to share, email jmorlock at kfwny.org.